This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Glenn Smith, board chair and CEO of the Farm Credit Administration. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance industry provides individualized protection on over 300 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with FCA's Glenn Smith next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 300 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. There's been a steady erosion of net farm income. The downfall is the product of larger supplies, lower commodity prices, natural disasters, and a disruption of global market access due to trade wars. Farm Credit Administration Board Chair and CEO Glenn Smith says they've been tracking the trend for the past several years. I almost describe it as the creep. It's nothing terribly dramatic as far as one year to the next, but there has been a a steady decrease in credit quality. It's manageable because of our high level of capital that we carry in a system, and certainly the system has stepped up their efforts to evaluate loan quality. But going into uh, mid-year and uh, third quarter of 2019, we continue to see that slow deterioration. Do you share the concerns of others about the overall health of the U.S. economy and of the global economy? Well, we certainly do as, as far as the, the global economy and the current tariff situation that directly affects agriculture. But even the general economy, a significant percentage of our loan portfolio is very dependent on off-farm income. And obviously the general economy affects that. Back in 2008, 2009, during the financial crisis, and the Great Recession, we saw the general economy, uh, it was in some pretty pretty poor condition, and we saw that from a financial industry level, it affected that off-farm employment and its contribution to your farm operations in the country. Are there particular regions that are more suspect or that certainly are facing perhaps greater challenge than others? Well, there is, Jeff, and part of how I perceive my job is to do a great deal of traveling, and the stress is regionalized, most prevalent in the grain-producing areas, production areas, corn, soybeans, and wheat in the Midwest. Uh, Of the 10 states with the highest levels of less than acceptable loans, six of those states are in the Midwest. What about the total amount of farm debt? It was forecast to be higher this year. And what about the volume of working capital? Yes, debt levels do continue to grow. Um, One of the biggest ways that we can help an operation that's strapped for working capital is to refinance. And I think a big part of that growth is attributable to those refinancing. Certainly working capital is the first sign of an operation that needs help 
or that's on the road to possibly some poorer times. Borrowings have been up modestly, and I think a large part of that has been refinancing into long-term loans to shore up the working capital. Let's move into the trade arena. How has the administration's efforts, obviously, to try to balance the playing field with our global partners, how has that affected this outlook, and can we see that to the bottom line yet? Certainly, your, your question means is that is the tariff affecting the bottom line of your average farm operation? Yes, uh, uh, dramatically so. Uh, although our uh, MFP payments have helped shore up in the last year some of those cash flow deficiencies, but yes, as far as the deterioration in credit quality, a lot of that relates back to profitability and short-term credit duress within the agricultural business. From your perspective, how important to see the USMCA approved? I think it's very important. I think it's a step that would be in the right direction. Congress comes back after recess. Personally, I think it'd be a, a very important first step in setting the pace of at least reliability to some very important customers uh, of our agricultural products in both Canada and Mexico. C is a first step. The more trade deals we can get worked out prior to working something out with China, I think we're in a little bit stronger position. So I, I see it as being very, very critical. The China situation is terribly polar. If you take no action, the Chinese continue to steal intellectual property. They continue to pick and choose when and how many commodities that they buy. Or if you stand them up, as we have, then you face consequences uh, in, in either way. A tough spot to be from an administrative standpoint. It is tough. And yet, I will say, you know, I am in touch with a lot of agricultural producers. You know, most most farmers and ranchers are in the game on a long-term basis. You, you buy a farm, it's not a one- to two-year proposition. It's a 30, it's a lifetime proposition. And I think they see this, the, the strategy with China is it's going to take a while, um, a long while, and to undo maybe looking the other way uh, in previous decades of trade policy. So I think agriculture as a rule understands the long-term picture of tariffs and the trade war with China at the same time uh, that doesn't help to alleviate short-term pain, which is what we're experiencing right now. So uh, obviously a quick resolution or a, a resolution that's good for the country is going to be good for the American farmer. Where would the industry have been without the MFP payments last year? And what are your thoughts on the new formula as we look at MFP2, where sign-up is still underway now? Well, I've had a number of operators comment to me that that MFP payment last year was their margin. I mean, it was very significant. Uh, I'm talking specifically about cash grain producers. The big criticism was it didn't look equally at other groups, in particular uh, the corn growers. I think there was a penny payment with corn. And uh, I think this most recent MFP payment has a lot better balance. I think it does recognize that many different areas of agriculture have been affected. And I think they've done a nice job of tailoring that MFP payment uh, to fitting uh, those in need. Mother Nature has not been kind over the past several months from hurricanes to wildfires and certainly flooding in the heartland and, and close to home where you've come from. 
There was a, a disaster assistance that has been approved. The question is, is it adequate? And, and how is, how is this disaster that has taken place and we're still feeling the effects of, how does that play out on the, the farm economy in those regions? And can we see it affecting uh, the economy overall? Well, well, certainly, um, as you look at those extremes in, in weather, whether it be hurricanes in the southeast or flooding in the Midwest or, or um, wildfires in the, in the West, um, those are extreme duress situations for uh, farmers and ranchers and our farm credit borrowers. Um, FCA, uh, if you, if you uh, looked at the uh, last testimony we had, in front of um, Congress, uh, we had issued a statement that was encouraging the associations um, to, uh, to, to, to hang with those borrowers as long as possible, get them through these short-term losses as much as possible, possibly recapitalize, reduce some loans, refinance, anything you could do to, uh, to help them get through these, these uh, tragic times. So we don't at FCA, we don't make uh, the actual financing decisions, but we encourage uh, our associations to have forbearance in times of, of, of disaster uh, that we've had none. And I, you know, where our farm operations, our family farm operations are located in western Iowa, we're only 60 miles from the Missouri River. And I want to tell you, the, 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 the losses uh, to those farms is just, just tragic. Uh, it isn't just a matter of those floodwaters returning. Sometimes you you change the whole topography and soil makeup when it's when a farm sustained to long term flooding like it was this year, uh, and that's something that's tough to be recoverable by insurance. Buildings, equipment, livestock generally are covered insurance, but the destruction to the land and the loss of the income uh, is not. And uh, it, it just I just I just feel. I can't imagine the, the feeling of desperation of, of seeing going through those kind of times. Same thing, obviously, true in your hurricane-ravaged areas and in your wildfire areas. It was said that 2018 could have been worse were it not for higher crop volumes being uh, sold at lower values. Well, here we set for 2019 with real questions about the size of this crop and ultimately how many acres were planted. Is there a storm cloud on the horizon for this industry? Well, you know, I've got our economists studying the areas of the country most impacted by excessive rainfall, late plantings, preventative plantings, and they're going by USDA data. But, but we're trying to look ahead and spot those areas that particularly we may see some distressed loans as a result. I think to sum up this year, and of course nobody can come to a consensus I think you'll see some winners and you'll see some big losers. I mean, the, the people that are able to raise a good crop, a good area of Iowa, most of Nebraska, looks like we'll raise an average, maybe a little bit above average crop, and be marketing generally at prices that are modestly above last year's. Obviously, they're going to do well and have an MFP payment on top of that. People that don't have the commodities to sell, it doesn't matter how high prices we get you're still at the losing end of it. And of course, you've got crop insurance to prop that up, which helps in some areas. A lot of those areas that are short on crop have very high APH levels on their crop insurance, 
and that's going to help. If we see any type of improvement uh, for the fall price, that's also going to help uh, prop up a base of income. But it certainly in the areas that short a crop, it's not going to be a profitable year. I always say when you raise a big crop, you've always got a chance to, to sell it within the next year at a higher price. You've got that potential. When you don't raise a crop, you don't you really don't have anything at that point. So uh, so there'll be winners and losers in this whole whole picture this year. Data from the University of Illinois and from other analysis has suggested that those farms with high or very high debt levels continues to increase. How have you seen that change here into 2019? Is the number growing and how troublesome? It'll continue those operations that are highly leveraged. It'll continue to be troublesome as they fight to pay down debt. The one positive thing we have going compared to a year ago uh, where we're looking at the possible environment of significantly increasing interest rates, at least at this time uh, this year, we're seeing decreasing interest rates. But those leveraged farmers, those criticized loans, that will continue. And we're watching very closely land values because oftentimes that offers the equity enables those operators to refinance and continue to get through these tougher times. But as land values change, go down, those ratios change very rapidly. Certainly, from farm credit standpoint, we encourage borrowers, uh, we try to suggest cash flow and profitability challenges will have significant equity in their operations. We certainly encourage them to look at other options to change their operation and work with them, at least our institutions are encouraged to do that. So that equity is so important in keeping those highly leveraged operations in business. What have you seen in terms of land values across the country, and do we expect much change here in 2019? The epicenter for uh, fragility, uh, uh, fragile characteristics of land values is going to follow where our commodities are, our corn soybeans, primarily Midwest base. We found land values holding up very well in the West, Washington, Oregon, California, uh, also East, Southeast, and Texas. It's primarily uh, at this point uh, a Midwest concern as far as land values. Generalized, backed off about 20% from the highs set in 2012-2013. Land values are described as being stable which they are, um, but I think it's important you look at the, the category of land quality uh, along with that statement that land values are stable. Uh, you also need to add the caveat that lower quality land, m- mid to lower quality land, tends to have a more rapid uh, diminishment of value. When you get into a, a market like this, people get picky. Those people who are buying want good farms, and your market really tends to drop off on your mid to lower value land. So I'm not so sure our surveys are reflecting that overall. Good land always seems to have good demand, uh, good value, and will hold up the longest. But I'm very concerned about mid-quality and poor-quality land as far as maintaining current values. You're one of the few that got started into farming in what could have been described as one of the worst times there through the 80s. Some fear now, again, a purge, 
but especially a lot of concern with the distress that we see in the farm economy for those young and beginning farmers. I know that's an emphasis uh, for the Farm Credit Administration, the farm credit system overall. How have you seen those loan uh, requests and those loan volumes, how have they performed through this period of time? Are there still people coming to the industry? Well, there is. And, Jeff, that happens to be a subject that's near and dear to me as my wife and I started out as beginning farmers in 1982, and two of our children are actively involved in production agriculture. But it's it's absolutely critical that we have a vibrant, young, beginning, and small farmer program. And every one of our 68 farm credit associations is required to have, we call it YBS, Young Beginning and Small Farmer Program, but every one of them is required to have uh, a program and report annually to the Farm Credit Administration on the numbers and the, uh, the amount of borrowing with YBS. What I've seen is we needed to modernize those numbers, and we're in the process of doing that. In some cases, there was some duplication with multiple loans uh, multiple associations, and we're in the process of getting some good, accurate numbers on the YBS programs out there, but I would like to see it taken to a, a new level and uh, like to have it encouraged and FCA encouraging the associations to share best practices, to, to share those programs that are working, and we're actually actively working on that right now here at FCA and the third step here at FCA will be to evaluate the effectiveness of each and every one of those programs. So it's critical. The YBS was first initiated within the system. I believe the concern was to replace almost a generation of farmers that was wiped out in the 80s. And you look at the average age of farmers in our country today, and it's a real concern. And I know as I went through my Senate confirmation process and talked about the need to support young and beginning and small farmers. There was nobody on that Senate Ag Committee that disagreed, both both ends of the aisle, on that. Uh, And it just makes good sense. We're developing the customer and the borrower of tomorrow. Uh, There's a lot of people my age, I'm 63, there's a lot of people my age still actively uh, involved in farming, but 20 years from now, that's not going to be the case. Well, I want to run to a tangent just before we close, if that's okay. I understand that you had a conversation with your granddaughter about leaving the farming area in Iowa and coming to Washington. And I think her question for you was, well, where are you going to farm in Washington? How did you answer that? <laughs> you heard that, huh? I did. Yeah, it was a tremendously difficult decision for my wife and I. I've always been self-employed, either in my farm management appraisal business or our farming operations. I've never worked for the federal government, but we did have an opportunity to have a a change of life here 20 months ago. And uh, it was a little perplexing to my granddaughter and to me (laughs) why I would even consider uh, moving across the country and taking the job. But I, I explained to her that I've worked in farming and agriculture all my life, and and, uh, my wife and I, and it's been very good to us. Uh, I said rather than work in agriculture, I was going to work for agriculture for the next five years uh, with the full intention of moving back to our farms and businesses there in Cass County, Iowa. So uh, it was a good question from my granddaughter, who at that time was four years old, 
it was a good question for us, but, but we made the right decision. We, we get here and we feel the, the, the passion and the energy we brought to our owner operations in Iowa, where hopefully we're bringing the same to the Farm Credit Administration. Glenn Smith, we want to thank you very much for taking time from a busy schedule to visit with us here on Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and today you have the last word. Well, thank you, Jeff. And, and I just want to say that the last 20 months has been an incredible opportunity and a credible honor to uh, represent the Farm Credit Administration that oversees the, the farm credit system, but most of all, ensuring the safety and soundness of financing to the American farmer and rancher. The farm credit system was established in 1916 to provide an alternative to financing to agriculture where the commercial banks were backing out in, in tougher times. And I might add, uh, uh, credit in good times and bad is definitely part of that mission. So I, I believe in that mission, and looking ahead, we've, we've got challenges. All of us in ag have challenges, but we hope to work through those challenges, and I'm just in a position that now that we can have a say in that direction and certainly can have a large role in serving the safety and soundness of financing to agriculture. Our thanks to Iowa's Glenn Smith, board chair and CEO of the Farm Credit Administration, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.